What does it mean to be rich on God's terms? What are true riches? Let's discover what God says about being rich in what matters most. Well, good morning. Good morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. Good morning. Great to see you today. I'm going to miss that little guy. Uh, today is the last uh, week of being rich in what matters most. And I trust that you've enjoyed this series as much as I have and that God has given you some rich understanding of what it means to be rich. And uh, we're just so glad that you're here today. What a wonderful, special worship time today. Can we just give God a great big praise? Amen. Come on, church. Come on, give him what he deserves. Let him know. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. And uh, this is uh, Thanksgiving week. And then we move into Christmas time. And, and I heard a little bit of hint of some Christmas music this morning. Huh? Are you ready for that? Uh, so I hope that you're preparing uh, to celebrate uh, the wonderful, wonderful gifts that God has given to us. Uh, by giving to others. And that's what I want to talk about this morning as we wrap up this series. I want to talk about being rich in good deeds. So if you have uh, your outline, they're right there in your program or your bulletin. You can open that up and, and follow along. I've got some scriptures in there. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you can open up your Bible or grab it on your phone and follow along. Uh, but we've been learning in this series that uh, we're all rich. The good news is we're rich. The bad news is we're rich. Why? Because when we realize that we're rich, we begin to get uh, a little bit self-serving, a little bit self-centered. We have more opportunities to make life about me. You know, we can, we can travel more and we can maybe redo the house. And, and there's nothing wrong with redoing the house. There's nothing wrong with traveling. I've done both of those things and enjoy that. We, we can buy more clothes and have more clothes and all of that. And uh, we forget really what true suffering is. We forget that there's a world that literally has no idea what it's like to even have a car or a phone or anything like that. And, and uh, we, just, we just know that God has blessed us in so many ways. And that's why we're talking about being rich in what matters most. But before we go any further, I want to say a great big welcome to those that are watching online. Come on, Capital City Church. Let them know we're glad you're with us today. Amen. God bless you. Come on, let them hear you. Come on, I don't think they can hear you. Let them hear you. Yeah, we love you guys. And we realize uh, that uh, whatever circumstances uh, get in the way of being here in the room, but you're right with us uh, wherever you're watching online, on your phone or on your tablet or, or uh, on BoxCast or on website or whatever it might be. You know, you can watch us online on Roku, on Apple TV. Uh, you can watch us uh, on the website. You can go to Facebook. We have our own online campus. You can see that in the bulletin. A lot of ways to watch. But I just learned something this week. You know, we have such an amazing staff and such a great group of, of hard workers that work all week long to make sure that, that, uh, that we're taking care of our community. And did you realize that uh, those that are unable to be here, if you will let us know ahead of time, we actually mail out uh, uh, bulletins and the outline so you can follow along like some of you have the outline there that we mailed to you this week so if you'd like to participate that for whatever reason you can't be here in the room we understand that but we want you to be a part so if you'll just comment if you're watching on Facebook or on the online campus you can just put a chat right there I'd like to be on the mailing list for uh, 
the outline or the bulletin. Uh, and, uh, or you can, if you're watching on BoxCast or Roku, you can go to our website and go to the contact page and let us know that way. And we, just another way for us to serve you. And isn't it great that we have this kind of blessing? I mean, we're rich. We can watch on our phone or on our TV or whatever. Uh, how many of you know we're just, we're just very, come on, tell the person beside you, you're rich. I just want you to know you're rich. And in case you were wondering, I brought back uh, this video I, I showed uh, a few weeks ago, and, it had, and we had such good response to this video that I thought it would bring back, it kind of brings home the fact that we really do, our problems are really kind of what we call first world problems. So watch this video. I never had it easy. When I was a kid, my friends were getting G.I. Joe and Stretch Armstrong. What did I get? Lincoln Logs. Had to put my toys together. I never got to find out what was inside of Stretch Armstrong, because I never had one. My first car, minivan. I was the hit of the town with that thing. My first video game console, Atari 1600. I didn't get another gaming system until I got a PlayStation. At my graduation, all my friends were getting cars. I'm expecting a brand new car. What did I get? A typewriter. Really? A typewriter? And now, all those years of college, look where I've ended up. My car has leather seats. So when I get in in the summer, it burns my legs every day. Kills me to think about it. My wife, air-conditioned seats in her car. When I go to Olive Garden, they shove these breadsticks in front of me. Of course, I eat it all. I can't even finish my pasta. Not only that, I asked for Dr. Pepper. She said we only have Mr. Pip. I had to choke that down. Probably get an ulcer. And I swear, every time I'm at Starbucks, the person in front of me gets the last blueberry muffin. What do I end up getting? A biscotti. I don't even know what those are. I just know they scratch my throat. I'll probably get an infection. Thanks, four bucks. Just this morning, poured a bowl of Frosted Flakes. Didn't check to see if we had milk. We didn't. Yeah, I know what suffering is. Now we chuckle at that, but you know why? Because probably most of us in this room have said one or two or maybe all of those things in our life, right? And I, I hope that you notice the words that were on the screen. 40% of the world live on $2 a day. 15% of the world live on one dollar a day can you think about that for a moment we are a rich people and i believe that god is calling us to help those who are suffering those who are less fortunate than us we need to be able to look out and see the needs around us and as christians 
fill those needs. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Because we really don't know what suffering is. And that's why we need to be rich in good deeds. So if you're following along, look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. This has been our theme verse throughout the entire series. And I want to read it one more time. And I want to pull out the last part of, uh, of the, this uh, passage, verse 18, and help you understand where we're headed today. It says, command those who are rich, when we understand that is us, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. So what's he saying? He's saying, listen, Timothy, I want you to command the blessed people, which we understand that we are, and coming into this Thanksgiving season, we need to concentrate more on thanking God for what he's done for us rather than looking at what he hasn't done for us. Can I get a good amen on that? which is so uncertain, it says. Wealth is uncertain, we know that. It can disappear like a vapor. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Stop right there for a moment. I want you to understand something. God blessed you, not for you to feel guilty, not for you to, to hide it, but for you to enjoy it. So there's nothing wrong with being blessed. There's nothing wrong with being rich. It's a good thing or we'd all be in trouble, amen? But it, it, and it, it, there's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But the problem comes in when it becomes a stumbling block. You know, the Bible says the love of money the love of things is the root of all evil. It didn't say that things and money is the root of all evil. Those are, those are good things. But if we love them more than we love God. Are you with me so far? So this morning we're going to kind of shift the, the, the focus a little bit. And look at this 18th verse where it says command them to do good. Everyone say do good. Yeah. Tell the person beside you you need to be a do-gooder. Yeah, I'm going to resurrect that word. you got to be a do-gooder. Command those. Now, it didn't say ask them. It didn't say uh, uh, imply that they should. It didn't say please ask them nicely. No, no. It said command them. It's talking about us. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Now, we learned early on in our life from our parents that it's very important for us to share. But somewhere along the way, many of us as adults, we've kind of lost that concept. We thought, no, that's mine. No, no, that's for me to have. No, I'm supposed to have that. No, I need to take care of my family. I need to take care of my needs. I need to make sure that I pay my house payment. I need to make sure that I pay my car payment. I need to make sure that, that I pay my phone bill. My, 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 my. And we get so focused on me that we forget there's a whole world out there that needs blessed. And we learned last week that if we will bless others, God will bless us back in a way that we cannot even contain. And I believe that that also is, is implying that if we will do this in good deeds and if we will be generous and willing to share with others, that God will bless us in a mighty way. How many of you want to be blessed? Come on, raise your hand this morning. Did you know that the word literally in the scripture for blessed means happy? So let me rephrase that. How many of you would just love to be happy? Just raise your hand. Can you be honest with me today? The rest of you, I don't know if you're just grumpy or if you need to pray. I don't know. We can just... <laughs> We can just start. If, if the person beside you didn't raise their hand and said, I told you you were grumpy, I told you. I told you you were grumpy. Okay, so we've been building, we, we've been building on a, don't laugh at me, it makes me worse. And we've got we to keep going because we've got baptisms to get to, okay? So we've been building on this uh, phrase about God blessing us, and we're going to add to it and finish it out today. And it says this, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, 
I will give more, watch this, and do more. There's your last fill-in for today as you're writing that down. I want you, you can look at the screen or, or look in your notes there. Let's all read that out loud together. Those of you online, wherever you're sitting or, 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 or laying or wherever you are, read it out loud with me. Okay, you ready? Come on, don't leave me hanging. Ready? God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. I hope you really mean that. Because we need to be, if anybody needs to be the group of people, we need as the church to be the group of people who bless others. Amen? We need to be the ones that people look to to be blessed by. We, the church is the hope of the world. Come on, the local church is, is where Jesus put all of his trust for the world to hear about him. You know, he said, I'm going to leave. He didn't have to do that, you know. He could have just done it himself. He could have just rolled some thunder and some lightning and got everybody's intentions. Says, by the way, I'm God. Come on, believe me, right? Huh? But he didn't do that. He left it to you and I. And I got to tell you, I question him very often why he would leave it to me. Because I know me, and I'm not the best one to do it. But God said, I'm going to use you anyway, right? And all through Scripture, we see God choosing people who are very unlikely to lead his army, like a shepherd boy named David. I want you to be the king. I want you to lead the, 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 the charge and, and kill Goliath. I, I want you to be my leader. Why? Because he didn't look at his stature. He didn't look at his size. He looked at his heart and saw, here's someone who will follow me. He chose Gideon, someone who's hiding in the wine, in the wine press. It, there was a battle raging, and Gideon didn't want anything about it, so he was hiding, hoping no one would find him. And the Lord finds him and says, by the way, Gideon, I know that you're the least of, of the tribe and that your family is the, le you're the least in your family and your family is the least in the tribe, but I still want you to lead my army. Is that be all right? And, and, and Gideon said, who me? Come on, everybody say that. Who me? So maybe that could be the question this morning. Come on, everybody say it again. Who me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? Now we're not going to go there. So here's your fill in. I want you to understand something. We are not saved by good works. Write that down. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. In other words, it's not faith by works, it's faith that works. That's where we're headed today. And I'm not the only one saying, in fact, I'm not really the one that even, I didn't come up with this. This is from scripture. Uh, John the Baptist said it in Matthew chapter three. He said that we are to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And I want you to understand, he said fruits. He's not talking about the fruit of the Spirit because when you hear about the fruit of the Spirit, it's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is all nine things. If you're a believer, if you have the Holy Spirit within you, you're gonna have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all of those things within you. But he said the fruits are your good works. Bear fruits to be worthy of your repentance. Do you see that? So the fruits of Christianity is good deeds. Jesus said, and we'll look a little deeper into this scripture in just a moment, but Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, that we are to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works. That's the words of Jesus. Jesus said, the world needs to see your good works. And I know what some of you might be thinking. Well, we're not saved by good works. You're right, we're not. We're not saved by works. We are saved to work. 
right? Amen? And if you want to see the fruits of someone who is a Christian, you're going to see someone who is doing good deeds. Because nobody wants to see a Christian going around, well, that's not my job. If they want me to do it, they'll ask me to do it. I thought that was so-and-so's job. They're not even here. I don't even know why I'm here. They were supposed to be here. They were supposed to do that. I'm not picking that up. Bless God. <laughs> I want to tell you a little secret. God's not blessed by that. God is blessed by our good deeds. How many of you want to bless God this morning? Because when I bless God, guess what he does? He blesses me. Every parent in this room understands what it's like when your child blesses you. The first thing you want to do is, oh, that's so nice. What can I give back to you? What can I, what can I bless you with, right? And then the Apostle Paul, in the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, this is in your notes, he speaks to it this way in verse 8 through 10. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. So let's just stop right there. Understand, we are not saved through works. Works cannot save us. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. You can't work your way into heaven. We, everybody ever say, you got that? Huh? Get it? Say, got it? Good. All right, let me say that. Get it? Good. We are not saved by works. Tell the person beside you, you can't work your way into heaven. Come on. I want to make sure you understand that. The Apostle Paul says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is not by works. So listen, I'm, I'm letting you know right now, I'm not telling you that if you do good works, it's going to save you. So you know why? Because if we are saved by our own works, the apostle Paul says, if that happens, then we're going to boast. We're going to say, look what I did to earn my way into heaven. Look what I did to get the grace of God. Look what I did, did to make God happy. And if you're doing that, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And if you've been in church for very long, you've seen people that are doing ministry for all the wrong reasons. They're just grumpy. They're just upset. They might be working, but they're not very happy about it. I don't know where everybody is. I don't know why I have to do this. I don't know why, I, I don't know why this wasn't already done. Look at that. I can't believe I, I'm going to have to sweep that. I'm going to pick that up. I can't believe I'm going to have to fix that light bulb. Uh, well, somebody better do it. I guess I'm going to have to. Right? No, no, no. What are we doing? We're trying to earn the praise of God and men. So... I want to be very, very clear. Scripture is very, very clear. We are not saved by works. You with me? Look what it says in verse 10, though. He doesn't stop there. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works. Say that out loud with me. To do good works. We are created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works. Say it a little bit louder. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What's Paul saying? He's saying before you were ever born, God had a plan for you. He had a plan for you to do good works. And he just waited until you responded to his love by grace through faith. And when that happened, he opened up this window of opportunity for God to bless you and for you to bless others. I've been on some mission trips to Jamaica. One of the fa favorite statements that they have there, anytime they run across anything that we would call a problem, the first thing they say is, no problem, only opportunity. In fact, they say, no irony, right? Who said that? Somebody said that, no irony. No problem, only opportunity. When they come across something, they say, ah, it's no problem. It's just an opportunity and a challenge. And that's what God wants us to see today. 
I love how the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 spends a couple verses telling us that we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable act of worship. And then he says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and not conform to this world. He says all those things in the first two verses. And then he spends the rest of the chapter talking about the gifts that we have and how we can bless the body of Christ by serving him. You know, the whole reason that we're to submit is not so we can just get more spiritual. God's not interested in us bellying up to the the spiritual buffet and just becoming so spiritually full that we're no good. He wants us to pass it on. He wants us to use the energy that we get from the word of God and the holiness that is God to pass on that blessing to others. And when the church gets a hold of this, let me tell you, we won't have room in this room once they understand all we want to do is is bless you if we if our neighbors learn that all we want to do is bless them all we want to do is serve them if this neighborhood across the street learns that all we want to do is serve them all we want to do is bless them this neighborhood behind us all up high street all the way down 23 all around grove city and all through up gehanna and all the greater columbus once the word gets out that capital city church is here to bless others and to serve them i want to tell you something we're not going to have room for them we're going to have to figure out to go to multiple services or something because people need jesus and they need service amen come on yeah you you can clap about that. That's fine. Think of it this way. Write this down. It's kind of your divine to-do list. God has for you a divine to-do list. And we need to be looking into the lives of our neighbors and, and our family and our co-workers. And we need to be noticing and listening to what their lives are about and and what they're going through. Because here's what I found. We should be doing good deeds in their life in three areas. The first one is physical needs. We need to listen. Are there some physical needs that they have? And I'm not just talking about praying for them. We should pray for them. But, you know, are are are, are they having difficulty mowing their lawn? Are they having trouble... Uh, are they having trouble uh, uh, fixing something on their house? Or, or are, they having, are they having difficulty walking or, or whatever it might be? Just listen very carefully and you'll know there's people all around you that have physical needs that you might be able to help with in good deeds. And then we meet their emotional needs, just kind of being there. The best way that we can help someone emotionally is just to listen. And guys, we're the worst at this. We just don't listen. We, we can't shut up. We're, when we're, someone else is talking, we're already spinning in our head how we're going to answer them, what we're going to talk about it, and how we've got a story just like that. And if you shut up, I'd tell you, because it's actually better than yours, right? <laughs> but just stop and listen, because you might hear something where they, they have a need emotionally, and you can kind of reach out to them. And then, of course, we want to reach people's spiritual needs. Listen carefully for for some God conversations. They might say they believe in God, but do they know God? I love how Pastor David on Wednesday night said, we need to be ready to to start a conversation. What was that first one that you said? We share a... A faith flag. We put up a faith flag. You say, what's a faith flag? Well, just in a conversation, in line at Walmart, you say, don't you, you know, isn't God good? Isn't this a great, great day? You just put a faith flag up. You let that person know that you believe in God. Or just, just as you're, as you're uh, getting your meal there at Chick-fil-A and, and, and you're sitting down, you know, have a prayer. Say a prayer over your food. That's a faith flag. Let, let people know. 
You know, my parents were really glad they did that one time because they were in a restaurant and, and they sat down and as they always do, they, they bowed their head and they prayed over their meal. And about 10 minutes later, the waitress came over and said, uh, there's someone they just left and they paid for your meal. They said to tell you, they noticed that you prayed for your food and that blessed them so much that they bought your meal. Now, don't pray for your food so that somebody will buy your meal. But just put up those faith flags and start those conversations and look for ways that you can do good deeds. Are you with me? So let's look. What should our good deeds look like? What, what should they be? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The first one is this. My good deeds should point to God, not to me. They should point to God, not to me. You know, talking about being in a restaurant, we should be generous and we should tip, right? We should tip good. And nothing angers me more than a while back when I heard someone say that they had a little track. And they said they need Jesus more than they need money. So they'd leave a track, but they'd stiff their waitress. I want to tell you something. That track went in the trash. Because they immediately said, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't want anything to do with it. Amen? So if you're going to put down a track... You better give 18, 20% tip. Amen? Let them know I love you, Jesus. Huh? Come on. Come on. That's right. You can clap about that. I'm all right with that. What are we saying? We're saying it's about God, not about me. Let them know this is God. If someone says, thank you for doing that. Hey, I just thank God that I have the health to do it. I thank God that I have the time to do it. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be able to do that. Give the glory to God. Jesus talked about our light shining, not in words, but by actions. And your actions, listen, your actions may be the only sermon that that person will ever hear. And I'm really good with this pay it forward thing. I think it's great. But I think before you pay it forward, you should have some kind of a card or something that they give to the person behind you. You're going through the drive-thru and you buy their meal. You know, don't just, don't just pay their meal and move on. Let them know it's because Jesus loves you and I love you. Praise God, I bought your meal. Amen? Give the glory to God. Otherwise, you're going, wow, that guy's amazing. That per- no, no, I'm not amazing. God's amazing. And I want to pass it on, right? That's what it's about. Let them know that it's about God. I don't want to embarrass Daniel. I've already told the story, so I can say it again. But I came home one day, and, and he'd been out uh, mowing our lawn, and, and uh, he decided he'd go ahead and mow the neighbor's lawn. And I can't tell you, the next time the neighbor came out, they just gave me this big old grin because they knew how it just made them so happy. You made their day. You know, it was just, it was just, it's just something little. It wasn't hard. That wasn't hard, was it, Daniel? But it just did it. But they also know that we're Christians, we go to church, and I'm a pastor, and we talk about God, and we invite them to church, and I believe one day they're going to come, and we just let God work all that, right? Glory to God, not to us. Look at this in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Quit being embarrassed about being a Christian. If you're embarrassed about being a Christian, let me tell you a little secret. It's probably because you're not acting like a Christian. Hello. Uh, I had a coworker when I worked at Procter & Gamble early on in my ministry, and I was bivocational, and, and uh, he worked on the dock, and he told me he was a pastor, and he told me, I don't tell anybody I'm a pastor because they'll expect stuff out of me. I said, well, shame on you. Shame on you. I told everybody I was a pastor. <laughs> Not because I was any better than him, because I wanted to know that I'm here for you. 
and I want to do what I can. So here you go. It can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bushel. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house, right? In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Now, this is the follow-up to that. And glorify your Father in heaven. It's not about me. It's about God. The reason I serve is all about God. Secondly, if you're taking notes, my good deeds must help others in the way that they need it, not in the way that I want to give it. You say, what do you mean? Well, it's like the little boy that ran into the store for his mom to buy a dozen eggs. He came out, tripped as he was walking through the door, and spilled the eggs all over the ground. It just, they were all over the sidewalk. And there were a few people standing around, and they saw, and they come up, and they're consoling, oh, are you okay, are you okay? But someone else walked up. They took $2 out of their wallet. Now, remember, there's 40% of the world that live on $2, so that's a big deal, right? How many of you know $2 is a big deal? You'll never look at it the same again, amen? Brought out $2 and says, this is how much I care. How much do you guys care? Because we can say we're sorry, we can say we'll pray for you, we can say all that, but are we putting feet to our faith? Are we actually saying, I'm going to help you in a tangible way? Do you see that? We have to give in a way that they need it, not in a way that we want it. Several years ago, my brother-in-law and sister, who are pastors, uh, they lived in the parsonage. And one day, my brother-in-law was sleeping on the couch and everybody else was gone. And he woke up to the dog barking because the house was on fire. And the dog saved his life. And they literally uh, ran out of the house just in time. It burned the house completely down. It burned both cars that were in the driveway. I mean, this was a major fire. They lived out in the middle of of, of nowhere in the hills of Pennsylvania. And it took a while for the fire people to get there. And and it was just, it was just, it was just amazing. And, And you know, how silly would it have been if, if one of the parishioners of the church come up and say, hey, I'm sorry, your, your house burned down and your car looks terrible. You think I could wash your car for you? Huh? No, but I could use maybe a jacket. It's a little cold out here. All my clothes burn. But yeah, I mean, if you want to wash my car, I guess that's okay. But how many times are we offering things because that's what we want to give? Well, if that's not what you want, well, that, that's all I have. So, but looking at what they need, someone loses their job and they're having trouble putting food on the table. And we, we call them up and say, hey, I've got this. Acts 10, 38. Then Jesus went around doing good. Everyone say doing good doing good. He was a beautiful, beautiful example of this and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Matthew five forty one. if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Jesus was referring to the way that we should go overboard. That's where we get the expression going the extra mile. And the law in those days was that a Roman soldier, any time, could ask a Jewish man to carry his pack for one mile. That's 5,280 feet. That's basically a 1,000 steps. So if he's walking along and he's got a heavy load, he can call a Jewish man over and say, hey, would you help me carry this for a mile? And he can make him carry it for a mile. And after he carries that for a mile, he'd put the pack down or whatever was carrying, and he'd walk off. There was no discussion. There was no talking. I had to do it. Yeah, whatever. You're, you know, and, and move move on and and then the, the soldier would find someone else to maybe carry it a, another another mile but Jesus is saying when you're asked to do that here's what I want you to do I want you to carry it even further than he asks I, when you get to that mile I want you to say hey I'll carry it for you another mile that'd be all right why 
Because immediately they're going to, wait a minute, you're weird. <laughs> you're, you're weird. That's, that's just strange. Why are you weird? You know, one of the best questions anybody can ask you is, why are you weird? People ask me that all the time. <laughs> you don't have to laugh too hard on that. Because I am weird. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ed. I knew it was coming. He's always faithful. Come on, church. Can I get a good amen? Pastor Phil's weird. Come on. All right. Thank you. That makes me feel better. Makes Ed feel better. Why are you weird? I'll tell you why I'm weird. Because I love Jesus and I love you. I'm not just going to take it a mile. I'm going to take it two miles. In fact, if you need three miles, I'm going to take it three miles. I'll take it as far as I can. You're really weird. Who's this Jesus you're talking about? This Jesus is the man that came into my life and he changed my life. I used to would have argued and complained and been mad and, and not talked to you any other time. And I, I would have gone home and complained to, my, to my, my kids and to my wife and to my dog that you made me carry your pack for a whole mile. But I'm not that anyway, anymore because Jesus came into my life and he changed me can I carry your pack another mile and that's what the church needs to be known for in some practical ways you cook somebody a meal you don't just take them a can of beans warmed up on the stove you take them the beans you take them the fried chicken you take them some green beans you take them the place to eat it on you take them the napkins to wipe their hands because you know chicken is messy and you take them the utensils and say listen here it is you don't have to do anything but eat this and it's plastic plates throw it away when you're done I don't need it back amen Go the extra mile. You know, my daughter, uh, both of my daughters have done a lot of babysitting. And then when they would babysit, they would make it a point. And I was so proud of them for this. They didn't just watch the kids, but they would clean the kitchen. They would pick stuff up. Guess what that did? When that person is looking for a babysitter, they're going to ask for the babysitter that just sat there and did nothing and watched their kids and forgot to put them to bed on time? No, no. They're going to call the one that watched their kids, loved their kids, but also cleaned the kitchen. Amen? And swept the floor. Can I get a good amen that, ladies? Right? Come on. Sweep the floor. That's going to go a long way. Go the extra mile. And then number three, our good deeds, I believe, will glorify God through his church. I said earlier that I believe that God set it up for the church to be the hope of the world. And I've said for a long time that the only reason, I believe this with all my heart, you can argue with me till the day is long and I don't care, this is, this is my belief. This is what I believe. I believe the only reason that there is a need for government assistance is because somewhere down the road, the church dropped the ball. I really do. I believe that if we had been doing our job from the beginning, there wouldn't be any need for outside assistance. The church would be taking care of all of it. But we've become so inward focused. And, you know, we've got to make sure that everything's right in here. We've got to make sure this is right. You know, someone might show up. Well, guess what? No, they probably won't because you're so inward focused you forgot about everybody out there. Come on. Look what it says in Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and what? Come on, say it out loud. Good deeds. Come on, say it again. Good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You know, I used to hear this scripture preach and they would leave the whole good, de good deeds thing out and they'd jump right to the meeting together and they'd make everybody feel guilty because they didn't show up last week. 
I had one uh, when I first started in the ministry. Uh, I was uh, just a young kid. We just got married, and, and uh, it was before I came a pastor, and we were, uh, led the music at this church. And every Sunday, the senior pastor would come and said, well, you know, if so-and-so would have showed up, and this family would have shown up, and this family would show up, and this family showed up, we'd have had 100 this morning. <laughs> I was like, every week. You know, if so-and-so would have showed up. He, he, never, he never talked about how many we actually had there. It's how many. But, you know, when I think about that, I realize something. The last part of this scripture, I don't believe the Hebrew writer was trying to make us feel guilty at all. I think he was helping us see something very important. One of the, one of the things, the very most simple thing we can do in good deeds is just show up. Because when we show up, people look around and go, oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, well, there's so-and-so. Oh, there's so-and-so. And I understand there's some that aren't able to be here. And, and that's not an indictment on that at all. If you're watching online, I'm not saying that. And I know that you'll be here when, when you're able to be. But what I am saying is that when we show up, we encourage. Because every, I, if I don't miss my guess, if you've been going to church very long, there's been Sundays when you've looked around, you've said something like this. Oh, I wonder where so-and-so was. And your heart sunk just a little bit. Right? And then the next Sunday, they show up, and your heart rises just a little bit. Just, oh, this is so easy. Just showing up is a good deed. We can do that, right? Unless we're providentially prevented, we can show up. Why? Because it is our job to build up the body of Christ so that we can reach a lost and dying world around us. Someone said, well, I don't believe in talking about church growth and I don't believe in talking about numbers and all of that. Well, you just haven't read the Bible. Let me ask you something. How many were saved on the day of Pentecost? Come on, just say it out loud. How many? Oh, a lot of you know that. You know why you know that? Because God put it in his word. It was a number. You know why it was a number? You know why it was an important number? Because 3,000 people got saved. Come on. Come on, church. That is huge. I mean, you think we're not going to talk about it if 3,000 people don't get saved? Come on, church. It's not about the number. It's about the souls and the lives that have been changed, right? And so we don't come together just for numbers. We come together so we can reach others and reach the world for Christ. Acts 4.33. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Now, let me just give you a little background on that. When the early church saw themselves as rich, when they realized, you know, we are very blessed, you know what they did? They took whatever they had and they sold it and gave the church, gave it to the church to distribute. Now, everybody take a deep breath because I'm not saying that we have to do that this morning. But how many of you know that took, now that took some sanctification right there. But they said, you know what? I care about others more than me. And they literally, the Bible, go read it. It's right there in Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 2, they sold everything. And they combined it together. And they served the world. And look what it says. There were no needy persons among them. Wow. Now we as a church believe in our mandate to do good works so strongly that last week in our monthly board meeting, we've been talking about it for several, for several weeks, or actually several months, but we adopted last board meeting, 
and we'll be telling you more about this in the future, the office of deacon in the church, in Capital City Church. You say, well, what's a deacon? Well, the Greek word is diakonos, and it means minister, to minister, a pastor, someone who ministers to others. In fact, we are so, we are so committed to doing good deeds and good works as a church that we have established an office that says, this is how important it is. We're going to have deacons that they are actually, their job, listen to what they're doing. They are there to assist people in need, to give wise distribution of the gifts for benevolence and mission and discerning selection of, of candidates who need to receive gifts, to do visitation to those in need, to express compassion towards the poor, the widowed and the orphan, the foreigner, through practical expressions of care, to supply and deliver food to those in need, to pray for members and leaders and pastors and that's just the short list of what we are calling these peoples to do and my vision my goal is that it won't be long we, we've already asked a few it won't be long until we have at least my goal is for us to have at least and maybe more 50 official deacons at capital city church that are training and helping others do the work of the ministry in assisting people in need and distributing gifts and helping people uh, in visitation and expressing compassion and helping the poor and the widowed and the orphan so that people will know capital city church is here and we care god loves you and we love you amen that's the kind of church that we want to be that's what we call being rich in what matters most we're not just going to talk about it we're going to do it and what i love about it is we already have a team that's doing it so it makes it so easy for this we don't even have to go recruit at first because we already have some that are already doing it we're just going to say hey can we call you a deacon and hopefully they say yes and if they say yes thank you very much and we're moving on amen amen, amen. that's why we're here so I close out the sermon time. Can we just dive deep for a moment? Can we do that? This, this is a little bit wordy. It's the words from Martin Luther. But I want, I just, when I read this, it just spoke to me and helped me see afresh and anew the vision that God has and the Apostle Paul had when it comes to doing good deeds and doing the work of the ministries of church. So listen to this. Martin Luther says, the question is asked, how can justification or how can salvation take place without the works of the law, even though James says faith without works is dead? So James says that faith without works is dead. In answer, the apostle distinguishes between the law and faith, the letter and grace. How many of you know that we are not under the law, we're under grace? But because we're under grace, we will naturally fulfill the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else falls on this. Why? Because God knew if I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and strength, I will have no other gods before me. If I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I will not uh, take his name in vain. If I love my neighbor as myself, listen to me, I won't murder them, right? So he said, if you'll just figure this out, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, all of these other commandments will fall into place. So, you know, I know that we're not under the Ten Commandments. We're not under the Ten Commandments. We fulfill the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And through my death and my resurrection, I will have apostles i will have deacons i will have believers i will have disciples that will go out and love the world not because the law told them to love the world because they love god with all of their heart and they love their neighbors themselves and we can't help but love the world around us amen, amen. 
If I'm not careful, I'm going to get excited and we'll never get the baptism this morning. Oh, I got to keep reading. All right, come on. The works of the law are works done, listen to this, without faith and grace. Those are those miserable people walking around. They're just doing it because they feel guilty and they want everybody else to feel guilty because they didn't do it first. You with me? By the law, which forces them to be done through fear or the enticing promise of temporal advantage. Now, in all of these sermons, and if you've not been here every Sunday, I want you to go back and start on the very first one. They're all online. You can go on Facebook. You can go on our website. You can go on BoxCast, Roku, Apple TV, whatever. Go back and watch. And I want you to see through all of this is weaved this whole thought that we're not under law. We're not doing things because we're forced to, but we are works of faith, he says, are those done in the spirit of liberty, purely out of my love to God. Anything I give is because I give out of love to God. It's because I love you, God. He goes on, and they can be done only by those who are justified by faith. You were saved to do good works. Why? Because the good works of a righteous man or woman, the good works of someone who is saved, speaks not just to the need, but to the heart of the person we serve. I love you. God loves you. That's why I mowed your life. I love you and God loves you. That's why I baked you a casserole. Well, you didn't have to do that. You're right, I didn't. That's why I did. Come on. You get that? That's the first thing I'm going to say. Oh, you didn't have to do that. I know I didn't. That's why I did. If I'd have had to, I'd have probably fought it. I'd have probably complained about it. But I knew I didn't have to. But I want to love you. I want you to listen to this analogy by Martin Luther. This is very interesting. He says an ape, that's right, like the monkey, an ape can cleverly imitate the actions of a human. But he is not, therefore, a human. If he became a human, it would undoubtedly be not by virtue of the works by which he imitated man. Are you with me? So if he became a man, it's not because he acted like a man, but by virtue of something else, namely an act of God. I mean, that was a miracle right there, right? It wasn't because he acted like a man. That a monkey can act like a man all day long. He's not going to become a man. But God could miraculously say, okay, boom, you're a man now, right? You get that? Then having been made human, he would perform the works of humans in proper fashion, which means out of a heart of love through Jesus Christ. Paul does not say that faith is without its characteristic works, but that it, but that it uh, in other words, faith, that faith justified without works of the law. It justifies without works of the law. Now listen to this last line. This is where I want you. Therefore, justification does not require the works of the law, but it does require a living faith which will perform its works. We are to be rich in good deeds. So let me ask you, don't answer out loud. Let me just ask you, 
Are you rich in deeds, good deeds? Are you more maybe middle class in good deeds? Or are you poor in good deeds? The Bible said that we as believers, as Christ followers, as God's church, we are to be rich in good. We should be known for our love for God and our love for them. I'm reading a book. I may do a sermon series on it sometime. It's really speaking to me. I don't know if I will. But let me just share one, one little thought. One little thought. In that book, it was talking about the importance of being outward focused. And that as we, as we, as a church, we talk about who it is we're trying to reach. We need to remember we're trying to reach people that aren't reached. We're trying to reach people that haven't been reached. And something hit me, and I hope I can say it in a way that you understand. I really do. I want you to hear my heart. I love you. I'm your pastor, and I love this church, and, and I believe God has great things, and I believe that we already kind of understand this and get this, but I, I, want, I want to just say this to you. And anytime God gives me something new, I've already shared it with my staff. I think I shared it with the board. I want to share it with you. God said to me, Phil, tell the people, tell the people this, that we're not trying to reach people like you are, we're trying to reach people like you were. Now, come on, I'll think about that for a moment. If all we're doing is trying to reach people like we are, we're, we're trying to reach people that are already Christians, already have a church, already faithful and tithe, already have all that. We're trying to reach, they're going to heaven. They've got their, no, no. Think about how you were before you came to Christ. Aren't you glad that there was someone that was more interested in reaching people like they were than like they are? And as Capital City Church, it needs to always be our focus to say, okay, I remember when I needed Jesus and someone reached out to me, a church reached out to me and it changed my life forever. And so as a church, it is our calling to reach out to those that are still like we were so that we can help them see that they can be just like we are. And that is a Christ follower. Someone who loves Jesus and loves God and loves others. And that it's transforming. And in just a moment, we're going to have baptism. We're going to baptize, I believe, seven people. Which is, that's right, come on. Which is a direct result of that outward focus. We're going to reach people like we were, not just like we are. Do you get that? Does that make sense? So let's read this one more time out loud. We're going to put it back up on the screen. Let's read our saying together. You ready? Out loud, ready? God has blessed us with more than we need. We're rich. We will not trust in riches, but in him alone who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. Come on, let's read that again. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more, and I will do more.